the Lord. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Appreciate your prayers. For those of you that are wondering, yeah, I still got that going on. But uh, it has shrank. And it's headed in the right direction. So I'm not worried about it. And uh, I'm thankful the Lord kept his hand upon us. Had a lot of people calling and texting late last night from around the country that love and care about us because they know we're in this part of the country. And uh, isn't it a wonderful thing to belong to the family of God and people in other parts of the country, even though they were out of harm's way and the weather was good for them, they say, oh, man, that's where Brother Eddie, his church is down in that area. We need to pray for them. So uh, I'm so thankful I belong to the family of God and, uh, and that God watches after yeah. his children, after his own. So good to see Tabby back service with us tonight. Yeah. Appreciate God's hand healing upon her, her body, and I'm glad she's able to be with us tonight. Yeah. We're going to allow for our children to be dismissed to their class. If you have your Bible, I want to read with us. We're going to read out of Matthew chapter number 18 tonight. working on my devotions from the book of Matthew and I've been on chapter number 18 so this is where all my studies been so uh, it's kind of probably going to be a preach teach message tonight it's just what's on my heart it's where I've been in the word of God I've been digging digging some good truths out of God's word uh, I, I, I love this Bible church Hallelujah. David said thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, O God. He said if, that if we would uh, abide in him mm -hmm. and let his word abide in us, then we could ask him whatever we want, and he'd give it to us. He'd do it for us. So uh, word of God should be a very, very big part of our lives. Right. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter number 18 I'll just read one verse, verse number seven. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense come. And then if you want to know how serious God takes sin, how serious God is about the, the offense in the verse is sin. Let me just point that out. Woe unto the world because of offenses, because of sin or sinful vices. For it must needs be that offenses or sinful temptation will come, the temptation to sin. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, if your hand or your foot would cause you to sin, cut them off. Cast them from thee, for it's better for thee to enter into life, halt, or main, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. It's better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. I want to stop there. Just, just titled the message tonight on offenses. Offenses. Would you help me pray? Father, we thank you for the word of God tonight. We ask you, Lord, that you'll speak to our heart. Lord, that you'll move in our life tonight. 
Lord, let us not be hearers only deceiving ourselves, but we'd be doers of the word. God, help us to hide this word in our heart. It not soon slip from our hearing, O oh God, but we would uh, uh, learn to apply it. God, Moses said, teach us to number our days that we may apply them to yeah. wisdom. And I pray, God, that would be our prayer in this altar tonight. You know every need in this house. I pray you'll meet them all through Christ by his riches. Save the lost, heal the sick, baptize the believer in the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. God, for it, we're thankful. We ask it together in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. I had a private message right when I was pulled into the church, and uh, somebody reminded me something that I prayed in their ear years ago. In the prayer, and I told them this, that demoniac, when Jesus stepped foot on the shores of Gadara, he ran and fell at the feet of Jesus and cried unto the Lord and he was full of at least, I believe, 2,000 devils because there's enough devils in him to choke out 2,000 head of swine. And uh, I told that individual, if you'll cry out to God, there's not, there's not a number of, of demons in hell right. that can stop you yeah. from getting saved, right. can stop you from being delivered or set free Hallelujah. if you choose to be. Christ defeated Satan fully, completely, soundly at Calvary, stripped him of all power, and if a man cries out, they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's not anything the devil can do about it. As soon as the prodigal came to himself and said, I will arise and go to my father. Mm -hmm. Notice nobody, he, he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He enslaved himself to sin is what he did. But as soon as he came to the realization, I don't have to be here. I don't want to be here, and I'm not staying here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humble myself. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to repent of my sin by never coming back here again. I'm going to say to him, just, you don't have to restore me to sonship. Just make me a hired servant. I'll stay with you, abide with you, and obey you the rest of my days. Amen. And do you know that the father's plan for every sinner is sonship? is for them to be born again and to be sons of God. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. They said, do you remember telling me that not a thousand devils could stop me from getting saved? They, they said, well, I, I, I need that in my life again. I'm, we're, we're close to the coming of the Lord and I'm, Scared that I'm not going to make it and I'm just going to get in my car and come to church right now. I need to stay in the altar until the Lord completely delivers me and sets me free. So hopefully they're on their way here tonight. Hopefully the altar service is going to be great. It's going to be powerful. So I want you to pray and expect and believe that as the word of God's being preached tonight, God's going to do great things.
in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Matthew, again, 18 and verse 7. Woe to the world because of temptations. For it must be that temptations come, but woe to that man by whom the temptation comes. That's the modern English version. He said, woe to the world because of offense is the word. Offense there is uh, translated uh, temptation to mislead or to influence in a negative or sinful manner. It literally means this in the Greek. It's the Greek word scandalon. Offense is scandalon. If I were to take, I, I don't really have anything to, to set it up really, but if I was to take a, this is what the word picture is in the Greek, is to set a trap. Put a box up and the scandalon was the trip wire or the stick. You put bait underneath it. When an animal went under there and hit that stick or the trip wire, the trap closes on it. That's what the word picture is in the Greek of offense. It is to set a trap to entice someone to sin. And it literally means to lay a stumbling block in front of someone in order to trip them up. Jesus very plainly states how he views anyone who would tempt someone else to sin. He said in verse number six, whoso shall offend or tempt or lay a stumbling block in front of one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. He said it would be better for you to die a miserable, I can't, there's two ways that I don't want to die, okay? I don't want to be burned and I don't want to drown. Yeah. Them are two of the most horrific ways that I could think to die. And Jesus mentions one of the most horrific deaths for me that would be drowning. Be better to die that way than to cause a new believer in Christ to sin against God right. and quit in his faith. Yes. That's what God thinks about offenses. Yes. He tells us in our text that it must be that offenses will come. He's talking to the new believer, the, the disciple of Christ that's chosen to believe on Christ and to walk with him and live for him. He said, now it must be that offenses will come, but woe to the man by whom the offense comes. Now what he's saying in the Greek, it would be impossible to live out the entirety of your life and never expect that a temptation for you to sin or to stray against God or against Christ would ever be in your path. In this life, you are going to face temptation. Yes, sir. I've often said on the road to heaven, there are one million exit ramps. Any day of your life 
of your choosing, you could find a reason to quit. You can find a reason to give up. You can find a reason to deny the faith, to disobey the word of God and simply go your own route, to go the way of your own choosing. He says, uh, it must be that offenses will come. In other words, uh, in this life, it is impossible to, to journey in faith through life and never have anything tempt you to stray away from your faith. Amen. So we should prepare ourselves against the day of temptation and against those who would mislead us or lay a stumbling block in our path. That's right. Do you know, I have to prepare myself in prayer and in the word of God. I have to discipline my life against the day that I am going to be tempted just like Jesus Christ was tempted of Satan. There are going to be people who say, oh man, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You don't have to live that way. I'm a Christian too. I'm glad you are. But I have to live by the way that the Holy Ghost has convinced me according to the Word of God. We talked about the word convince means to convict. And a, a person can't be saved until they're convinced. They can't get saved until they've been convicted, found guilty of sin. And once my heart has been convinced or convicted of sin, then I, I experience the grace of God when I'm born again, the mercy of God. And for me to sin against that grace or sin against that mercy and go back into my sin is a damning thing on my part. A damning thing on my part. And what the, and what the Holy Ghost convinces me in my life of what sin or that that would break the heart of Jesus Christ, that that would be unbecoming to Jesus Christ. Uh, that, would, that would not be a Christ-like example to me that becomes sin. It may not be sin to everybody because like Brother Daniel said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. I've been living for God for 30 years. Hopefully there's more Christ-likeness in me than there was 30 years ago. <laughs> Hopefully He's opened my eyes to what is like him more so than what it was 30 years ago. Hopefully I'm wiser for it and I'm more like him. I'm not any more saved. Sanctification can't be mistaken as salvation. You can't make a, a newborn baby start eating ribeye steak as good as steak is. He has to start with milk. But the Bible says strong meat belongs to them that are full age, to them that are mature. So 
I don't expect somebody that just got born again to see the scripture, to see every truth and to have every conviction that I have. I don't in no way expect them and I don't in any way think they're any less saved than I am. Woo, that's good preaching, brother. I wish a lot more people would preach just like that. Amen. You know, the Bible teaches us to, to treat each other that way. The Apostle Paul on, on, to the uh, Philippians and also to the Corinthians, they judged one another harshly. And if uh, Paul said to me, every meat is clean in and of itself because it's sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. He said, but if somebody sees me eating that meat, he said, when somebody sets something in front of you, don't ask where it come from. Just pray over it and eat it. And I've done that a many a time. <laughs> don't ask no questions. Just pray over it, thank God for it, and eat it. He said, but if your brother sees you eating meat, and says that meat was offered unto idol, and me eating that piece of meat would cause my brother to stumble, he said, then how do I have the love of God? How do I have his best interest if I say, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you have to say about it. For me, it's okay, and I'm eating it. He said, if it offends him to eat it, then don't eat it. Because that's what Christ would do. Christ died for him. Christ died to save him and don't lay a stumbling block in front of your brother and make him lose heart in living for God. So for me, it may be okay in my eyes. I'm confident in my walk with God and it's something may be okay, but if somebody says, oh no, that's a sin for me, then I'm not going to press on him my conviction right. and say, well man, I do that all the time. There ain't no sin to that at all. If he's trying to live as close to God as he can and God has dealt with his heart not to go there, not to do that, not to be a part of that, uh, I'm going to pat him on the back uh, and say, that's what you need to do. And vice versa. If he takes liberty in saying, I'm okay with doing this. And God through prayer has spoke to my heart and said, I don't want you to participate. I don't want you to take any part in that. I want you to stay as far away from that as you can. I'm going to pat him on the back and say, I understand. That's where you are in your walk with God. And you need to understand that for me, God has placed it in my heart uh, to stay away from that. Uh, and I want to live as close to God as I can live. Listen, we should prepare ourselves against the day of temptation and those who would mislead us or lay a stumbling block in our path. God had stern warnings in the book of Malachi, chapter 2, against the priest that made his people to stumble at the law. How? Because they lived a pitiful example. Hello. 
They lived a pitiful example in Malachi 2 and 7. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. In other words, God is saying the priest's lips should be full of knowledge and my people should seek the law through that man of God because he represents me. He's my mouthpiece. He's my messenger. But listen to what he said in verse 8. But you, talking to the priests, have departed out of the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, the Lord of hosts. He said, you're preaching a lie. Come on. Yes. Hallelujah. You preach to men falsehoods. And you cause people to sin by lying to them. My God. I wouldn't want to be in a preacher's shoes uh, that had lied by preaching a cheap uh, salvation or a phony grace. Uh, I wouldn't want to stand with him uh, on the day of judgment. James said, brethren, let there be not many teachers among you, seeing we shall receive the greater condemnation. Paul's words to Timothy was preach the word. The instant in season, out of season, re reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering. That is patience. Be patient with them. Preach to them and keep preaching to them. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort and be long suffering. Just like a parent would be with their children. Don't throw them away when they fail. Don't give up on them uh, when they don't do right all the time. Uh, nurture them. Disciple them. Uh, love on them. Uh, help them along the way. He said, all long suffering and doctrine. But make sure you teach them what the truth is. Uh, don't uh, don't be don't be misled or don't be tempted with the lie. You don't love people if you preach something that's gonna cause them to be convicted. If you preach something that's contrary to their lifestyle and they don't feel good about themselves. Listen, if you're living in a relationship, you listen, you live we call it shacked up. I don't know what else to call it. You, if you're in a relationship with a person that is not your husband or not your wife and you're in a relationship with them and you know what I'm talking about by saying relationship, yeah. do you think God wants you to go home feeling good about that? Oh. Absolutely not. I, I've said it. You know, I, I've recalled the the memory of it many times, but when uh, Tony and Teresa Blanchard started attending this church, I just called them husband and wife. I recognized them as husband and wife. He came to me one day over here, you know, praying around the altar and tears run down his face. And I talked to you a second right after church. I said, sure. He said, I know you think me and Teresa are husband and wife. He said, we have been living together for eight years uh, and she is not my wife and every time you call her my wife, uh, I feel horrible. I said, ain't but two things to fix that horrible feeling that you're feeling. Number one, you put her down the road and say, me and you's finished because I want to feel right with God. So we're finished. Or you can... 
marry her and make a covenant with her before God. And let God ordain your marriage. Uh, and then you can feel right with God. He said, that's what I want to do. <laughs> that door number two is the one I want. Amen. I want to make this relationship right before God. I didn't know that. I never would have preached it probably in the manner that I was preaching it had I known that they were in that kind of relationship because I'm not a mean dude. Contrary to what some people will tell you. <laughs> There's another couple come in. Young couple, they come in. They were very familiar, very close, arm around each other. They were aged enough to be married. I, I recognized them as husband and wife. I preached. I didn't preach on adultery. I just mentioned adultery. In passing, while preaching, just rock right on by they come down to the altar. I prayed over them. They're both weeping and crying. I prayed over them. Didn't know what their needs were. Prayed over them. Asked God to touch them, help them, move for them. They left out next Sunday. They came back. They're back down in the altar. I thought, great, these people are going to start coming to our church, maybe on a regular basis. I come down to talk to them, to meet them, you know, to get more familiar with who they are. He said, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. He said, last week you recognized us as husband and wife. He said, we just moved here from different part of the state. We're looking for a church. And uh, he said, we're Baptist, by the way. I said, well, we're not. He said, oh, we knew that. About five minutes into the service, he said, I looked at her and said, this ain't no Baptist church. And uh, I said, well, I, I hope you like it and you'll come back. He said, well, let me tell you my story. He said, we, we came and he said, we've been living together for a couple of years now. And he said, man, he said, we, we thought we were saved. We really did. He said, but when you preached last Sunday, he said, we left here and we came to the conclusion we're deceived. Yes. We're not saved. You can't be saved living like we're living. And he said, so the, the next day on Monday, he said, we went to the courthouse. He said, we got married. He said, we're married now. He said, and I was just so thankful that God brought me to this church and showed me that I was living in sin, living in error, and that I could make that right, and we did make it right, he said, I felt like we should come back again and thank you. Amen. Thank you for preaching the truth to us. He said, or else we would still be living in sin, thinking that we were on our way to heaven. And I said, well, man, that's awesome. I want you to keep coming. He said, oh, no, we're going to look for us a Baptist church. <laughs> He said, but I sure didn't want to come back and thank you. I thought, well, man, if I got saved in a Pentecostal church, that's just, that's just where I'd start coming. That's where the Lord opened my eyes. That's where I'd want to keep coming, but uh, I didn't put any pressure on them. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I think it's necessary in this uh, hour of deception when the disciples said, Lord, what shall be the sign? Of, the, uh, uh, of these things that you're teaching us about and of the 
coming of the Lord and of the last days, he said, make sure nobody deceives you. Make sure nobody deceives you. It don't, listen, truth don't offend me. Truth don't offend the child of God. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall by any means offend them. Preach it. Preach it hot. Preach it straight. Preach it standing on your head if you want to. Just preach the truth with the right spirit. There is a hell, but I'm not going to preach hell like I want sinners to go there. I don't want to hear somebody preach like that. Amen. But he said, these men had corrupted the covenant of Levi and caused many thereby to stumble at the law. You know, a lot of people just said, hey, me and Zane was in uh, the Congo, not the Congo, where was we at? Sudan. We was in Sudan, one of the worst places I've ever been in the world. Worst, meaning nasty, impoverished. Muslims were slaughtering people, disease. People were dying all around us with cholera because they were eating out of the food cooked up with the water from the Nile River, and it was nasty. And uh, we were there every morning. It was either at 5 or 5.30. You know how that sound is when a microphone system starts squealing, when it's too high pitched and it starts squealing. We were in a little tent village, and every morning at 5 or 5.30, try to sleep in that tent. Hot, hot as blue blazes, sweating like a dog, just miserable. You do good to get two or three hours of sleep a night. Here it comes in the morning, probably the coolest part of the, of the whole day is that time around 5 or 5.30. You maybe just been sleeping an hour or two. Here we come. That squealing microphone, you could hear him do like this. There was a mosque right across from where our tents were. And they'd start that Muslim call to prayer. Just it real loud, blow your eardrums out. We were right there on top of it. Man, I just kind of wrap that pillow around my head and just pray against the devil. Pray that God would somehow liberate those men and women from deception. I told Brother Zane one morning, I said, I'd like tomorrow morning to get up before that imam or that cleric or whatever he calls himself, and I'd like to go over there and snatch that little cheap Radio Shack microphone out of his hand and say, give me that thing. Everybody, Allah is phony baloney. Go back to bed. I believe God has deep hatred for falsehood. Do you know how that Adam and Eve fell? Eve was deceived by the serpent. 
Do you know that to cause to lay a stumbling block before somebody by telling them a lie is more satanic than playing with a Ouija board? To lie to somebody concerning the word of God is just as satanic as reading a tarot card or having your fortune told through a crystal ball. I take serious what that book says to me. And I take serious who preaches to me and what they're preaching to me. Because Satan is a liar. And he perverts and he twists and he removes all truth or takes all conviction out of the truth and makes it a lie. Romans chapter 1, who knew the truth, but they changed the truth and made it a lie. Yes. That is satanic. In Matthew 23 and 13, he's talking to preachers. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. He said, by living a hypocritical lifestyle, you so turn them off spiritually that they don't want anything to do with you or the church. I don't want to go to church. Nothing in church but a bunch of hypocrites. They're going to answer to God. They are going to die lost and go to hell. But the Bible said, woe to the man who turned them off. Woe to the man that said, I'm a Christian and lived so hypocritical that they made them unreachable. It's serious stuff, folks. Romans 14 and 13, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And that's when he was teaching them that if it offends your brother to eat meat, just don't eat it. First John 2 and 10, he says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Isn't that awesome? He that loves his brother abides or lives or has his dwelling in the light. And there is no occasion of stumbling in him. If a man walks in love for his brother, this is why he lives the way he lives. This is why he wants to live a pure and a holy life. I want them to see Jesus in me. If he abides in the light, there's no occasion for stumbling in him. He's living a holy and a godly example. He's saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Follow me as I follow Christ. He's not trying to skate by. He's not trying to see what he can get away with. He's not the one that said, oh, you don't have to worry about that. Ah, you don't need to live that way. You don't have to live that close to God to make it to heaven. 
said no man of God ever. And why? What's his or her motive for living holy is love. Hallelujah. It's love. Man, I wanted to close with this because I, I seen this while running cross-reference. In every mention of offense in the Bible, it has to do with sin and God is very serious in how he deals with sin. God is so serious about sin that he sent his son to die on the cross for sin. You don't get any more serious than that. Sin is life and death with God. The one place in all of the scriptures where offense is taken from an opposite scale, from a complete different viewpoint. 1 Peter 2 and 6, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you that always believe he is Precious. Isn't that right? Unto you which believe he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed. The same is made the head of the corner and a stone of stumbling. What? What? Sin is to a believer. I'm talking about the flip side of the coin. What sin is to the believer, a stumbling block and offense to God, Christ is to the sinner. Wow. What sin is to me, Christ is to that wicked world. You think about that. As much as I love Christ, they love sin. As much as I want to live for him, they want to live for sin. To us which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the Head in the corner, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Even of them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. They stumble at the word. They stumble at the at hearing the word of God as it's preached. You know they. Don't read their Bible, most of them. They don't know what the truth is. Now, some of them's got these, they've got promise cards, you know, that quote them a half truth. You know, most or all promises in the Bible are attached with a condition. <laughs> if. 
you walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. But if we don't walk in the light as he is in the light, we don't have fellowship with him. And the blood is not cleansing me from my sin. The word if makes the whole verse conditional. You can look at one of them promise boxes uh, and it'll say, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Just takes all the condition out of it. They don't don't know the word. They don't read the word. They don't study the word. They're not in love with the word. And when they hear the word of God, it is an offense to their life. Hey, I'm a good person. I'm as good as the next. I may not be a preacher or a deacon or a missionary or a Sunday school teacher. I may slip up and say a few words when I get mad, but I'm a good person. I've raised my children. I love them. I treat them good. I try to treat people as good as the next person is treated or how I would want to be treated. I'm not a bad person. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. We all need a Savior. We all have to be born again. We all have to let the word convince us, convict us that we are sinners by nature and bound for hell unless we repent and turn at his reproof. But if we will turn and if we will repent, we will be saved. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank God. This is what Peter is saying. The one who's precious to me is disallowed of them. The one who I am in love with, they hate him. The word that I hid in my heart that makes me to see sin as vile and putrid and and gross, exceedingly sinful, that when I see it, I go around it. When I see it, I step over it and am careful not to partake of it. Thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light uh, under my path. Uh, It shows me the way. I avoid pitfalls. Uh, I don't have to stumble over sin. His word is a lamp to my feet. Uh, As I abide in him, his word is light unto me. His light uh, is my life. In him was life, uh, and the life uh, was the light of men. In him is a light and there's no, or God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. But to them, Peter says, when I preach, it's a tripwire. It's a tripwire. It's a way for God 
hit the trap door. Seize them. Apprehend them. Capture them with conviction. Somehow, some way, somebody got to that prodigal son. He hit the trip wire in the hot pit. Came to himself. I don't need to be here. I should not be here. I knew better than to ever come here. But I know enough to go home. That if I'll ask my father for mercy. I know him to be a merciful God. And I know there's bread enough and to spare. And he won't let me perish with hunger. I know him to be a savior. And I know he'll save me. That's what the gospel is. Every time I preach the gospel, just preach it. Because you don't know who's living in sin. And if they're living in sin, it's meant to trip them up. It's meant to slam the trap door a conviction on their heart so that they can come to themselves. They can wake up to the reality, I need God. Oh, I, I, I could picture throughout this sanctuary Christ as the stone of offense and as a rock of stumbling. Or the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, rather. Preaching him. And it's almost like there he is. Somebody tries to leave. Boop. Right over on their face. A couple comes in. They're not married. I think they are. Just preach the gospel. Right over into the altar they fell under conviction. And they go the next day to get married. That is God. And if that's the case, I said, God, every time I preach, let me just throw that beautiful, precious stone that was disallowed of the builders. Let me put it right in their pathway that they will trip right over it, stub their toe on it, feel the deep pain of conviction grab their heart. If you don't know that hurts, next time you stub your toe, whoo, oh, hallelujah. I broke my big toe. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. That's what the gospel is to a sinner. The pangs of conviction ought to stop them in their track. Every friend ought to say, what's wrong with you? I feel God. I feel God. I don't want to keep going this way. See that big toe right there? It ain't got nowhere close to that big old shift robe. Never will this toe get close to that piece of furniture again. It just ain't gonna happen. And that ought to be the way it is when we get born again. It just ain't gonna happen. 
I don't care if you're third generation alcoholic when you're born again. He lives in your heart and you walk in the light. Somebody said, I can't even grocery shop in Walmart because that alcohol section there draws me. It summons me. It pulls on me and I can't even get near it. Oh, what you need is to get good and born again. Lay in that altar until it sanctifies you holy. Hide that word deep in your heart. You'll walk right past that aisle and never look at it twice. Listen, you don't have to tempt yourself. If it's better for you not to go, then don't go. Amen. I don't know where you could uh, shop for food uh, that don't have liquor in it. Uh, I don't know hardly a restaurant you can eat at uh, that don't have liquor in it. Uh, but if it helps you, more power to you. I'm just telling you there's victory in Jesus uh, that'll say, never again am I going to trip on that again. You hear and see in the night, God's laid tripwires for you. It's called the gospel. He don't want you to slip in and slip out without hitting the trap door. He wants to capture you. He wants to win you. He's calling for you. For us that are born again, he's precious. He's precious. And for us, he wants sin to become exceeding sinful. He said so much so that if your hand or your foot would cause you to sin, cut them off. You know, literally, you can take it literally if you want to. But I believe he's saying if something you're doing would send you to hell, stop doing it. If your eye would cause you to go to hell, you don't have to pluck your eyes out. Just throw your cell phone in the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> Just take a sledgehammer and bash your television yeah. into pieces and stop looking at filth. Come on. That's it. That's right. That's right. That's good. That's Fences. You can't live this life and not meet up with them. But you can have victory over them. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus did. Yes. And this is how. Get behind me, Satan. It is written. I won't stumble over that. Father, we thank you for the word of God tonight. I thank you for allowing me to be in the house of God with my brothers and with my sisters. And I thank you, Lord, for the greatest gift you ever gave me in this world, conviction of the Holy Ghost. God, eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart, oh God, that is sensitive to the voice of your spirit and the pricking convicting work of the Holy Ghost. I pray, oh God, tonight if there's sin in our heart, you would find it out. 
Oh God, woe unto the world because of offenses, because of sinful vices, the traps of the enemy that he's laid before us. Help us, oh God, not to fall prey, for we are not ignorant of his devices. God, I pray that you'll help us to fall in love deeper than we've ever been before with you and with your word. Father, that our prayer life will become intimate and passionate, vibrant. And oh God, you will keep us from every offense and every pitfall and every tripwire and every trap that the enemy has laid for us. But you said there are those that are held captive by the devil at his will. They're lost. They're blind. I pray that you would recover them from the snare of the fowler. I pray that Holy Ghost conviction would grip their heart. And I pray, oh God, as they work beside us or they, as neighbors, live beside us or, God, we socialize with them by an ordained encounter whether it be in a restaurant or in the grocery store, wherever, on a job site, I pray, Lord, that if they're lost, your word be the tripwire that gets them off of the broad way that leads to destruction. You would capture them with Holy Ghost conviction. Like the prodigal, they would come to their selves, come to the realization I'm ready to be saved. I ask you, Lord, to search our hearts tonight. See if there be a wicked way in us, oh God, if there is, convict us of it. May we repent of it tonight and draw closer to you because we are living on the very brink of the coming of the Lord. The rapture is imminent. It is at hand, and I want to be ready. I want everybody in this house to be ready. I want everybody within my reach, within my sphere of influence, I want to help them be ready. And I pray, God, if there's a need that I don't know about, somebody needs to be healed, but tonight they find healing virtue in your merciful arms. I pray, God, you'd refill us, every one of us, with the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost. We leave this house full of your spirit, more like you than what we came in. Would you meet me in this altar tonight? Let's seek him out in prayer just for a few minutes. Amen. If you're here with a need in your life, you just come on down here. There's not a need you've got that's too hard for our God. If you're lost, he can save you. If you're sick, he can heal you. If you're broken, he can mend you. If you're troubled, he'll give you peace. You're bound up, he'll set you free. There's nothing too hard for our God. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or even think. According to the power that works in us. Hallelujah, hallelujah.